Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Plant Your Seeds of Transformation podcast. I am your host, Donna Marie, and I'm so honored and blessed to bring you Dr. Patricia Anderson. She is located out of the uh, metro Atlanta area, as am I, but we've never met before until now, and I'm so excited to be bringing her forward to meet you all. Dr. Patricia, how would you like to, um, what would you like to share with the audience to, to just so that they'll kind of have a brief understanding of who you are and what you do? Oh, thank you for that. And I'm so honored to be here with you. It was such a, um, a nice gesture for you to reach out to us to uh, come along on this transformation, transformational journey with yourself and your listeners. So I'm hoping that I can contribute something, some little nugget uh, of transformation. And speaking of that, that's my, that's my field, transformational leadership, and specifically authentic transformational leadership. In my research, uh, I researched the transformational leadership model. And uh, there are two types that I actually zoomed in on. So, so with that said, sometimes you hear people say, I'm a transformational leader, but there are four types. And one type is really bad. So which one are you, right? So authentic transformational, ATL, is the good type. Pseudo-transformational PTL is a not so good type. And that's, that's what my research was to look at pseudo-transformational leadership, look at what the triggers or indicators are in these leaders and how can we curtail them, stop them, um, hire out, hire up, upskill, downskill for that type of leadership. Um, and just to give you a synopsis of that, I'm gonna be extreme. PTLs look like a Hitler, right? Um, they don't usually show up as PTLs at first. They show up as ATLs. They have a vision that's compelling. They galvanize you around the vision. For example, uh, with Hitler, post-war uh, Germany, hey, we're going to build a, an economic power. We're going to build back our country. We're going to pay back our debts. Of course, you're going to sign on to that. You wouldn't sign on to, hey, further down the road, we're going to be putting people in oven. So it's very important to understand what these triggers are and what to look for. And what I do is I, I, I speak with leaders about how to become authentic transformational leaders, how to walk the talk, because PTLs will talk the talk, and then they actually expose themselves. And if you're an astute follower or employee, you'll recognize um, what they do or what they're saying, and it's going to alert you to, hey, this is not what it's supposed to be, or I'm not signing on for this. Uh, the, the one last thing I'll say about my background is that there is an accountability infrastructure that is bi-directional with the ATL and their followers where we're holding you accountable and vice versa. So if you, if you know about the Maslow hierarchy of needs, we both self-actualize, the leaders and the followers. We become better versions of ourselves. And that's how you can tell a, a true ATL from a PTL, very passionate about that field. Um, my motto is uh, transforming the world one leader at a time. So my space is with leaders, those who sit in, this, in the C-suite, entrepreneurs, um, CEOs, et cetera, who want to be transformed. Um, and then one last thing, like the pastor says, one more thing, give me five more minutes. Put five minutes on the clock. One more thing is I'm very, um, I make the distinction between change and transformation. They're not the same. Change is binary. This is March, right? How many of us for January said we're gonna go on a diet, go to the gym, eat better, 
whatever. And then here, right? Because it was a mental ascent only. It was based on, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat properly. There was no mind shift or belief system. So with transformation, your mind has to arrive first, not the activities. And that's why change doesn't work, but transformation does work. Think about the caterpillar and the butterfly. It's incremental progressive elaboration to better future states. The butterfly cannot say, okay, I want to go back to being a caterpillar, but you can stop going to the gym and stop eating right and so forth because the mindset hasn't changed. So, so those are the pillars of what my transformational leadership research and practice is about. I know I said a lot, <laughs> and I usually do. Oh my gosh. So I want to start with this. You said something about the regarding change. And the name of the show is Plant Your Seeds of Transformation. <laughs> yeah. We're not just talking about change. No, and so one that. of the things, one of the things that I've, I've um, done with my audience is I've created this, um, this um, metaphor of your life being a garden and not a forest. No. There's a cultivation that happens intentionally when you are transforming. It's not about, hey, I saw this fat diet over here. Let's go run that way. And then the next week, oh, and there's another fat diet or a special pill you can take over here. Let's go run. No, those are not, those are changes, but those are not transformation. Mm -hmm. And so I try to help the audience really understand this process of transformation is about on purpose doing, no, on purpose, learning how to be who you really are yeah. and just living that through consistently, living that through consistently. So like thank that. you so much for breaking that down about transformation, about authentic transformational leadership versus, you know, all the other stuff, the Hitler, Hitler stuff. And mm -hmm. I can Think of some other people in research. I'm sure history. you can. You know, what, what I do as a researcher, I, I put the data out there. People are like, hmm. I, I think, can I think of some other people that kind of fit that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. So, what do you believe um, regarding this this phrase of? Okay, so let me backtrack again. When talking about change, and we're talking about, for instance, a person who has decided that they're going to start working out three times a week or whatever. In January, come February, they're not doing it. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you say to people who, let's say that they have major life interruptions and this, in the case of black women leaders, mm -hmm. especially black women leaders who may be mothers, who may be caregivers, mm -hmm. who may just have a lot of hats to wear, mm -hmm. a lot of roles that they're playing in their lives. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that woman who she started out in January, family members had something major happen mm -hmm. the end of January, come Feb into February, they're no, she's no longer doing what she set out and started doing in January. Mm -hmm. um, what do you say to her? Is it that she's not really transforming mm. or is there something else going on there? It could be both, right? Uh, and transforming, is incremental. I have a friend um, who he's a male. 
I know we're speaking about women, but he had this um, this vision and this 90 day vision of health and wellness and, and things happen out of his control that he got off track, but it doesn't mean that you fail. When you fail, you gotta fail forward. You gotta say, okay, I was going at 90 miles an hour. Maybe now because all these things are happening, I'm gonna go 45 miles an hour, but I'm still moving forward and they're incremental wins. So once your mind arrives to, to the place and the space where you say, I want to transform, it doesn't mean it's a one and done. It means it's a continual progression towards that goal. And as long as you continue to progress, you get knocked down, you get up, you've got to you know, do less sometimes, break it off for a few days or, or what have you, but you continue, you pick yourself up and keep going. That's how you measure transformation. You're not just you know, giving up because um, things happen. Life happens to all of us. And we all, you know, as to your point as black women, we wear and are expected to wear a lot of different hats. And I say, take it easy on yourself. I, you know, there's an incident that happened a couple of days ago that we all know about. And, and there was this buzz about it. And we feel as black people that wherever we go, we carry every other black person on our shoulders. I say, stop it. Show up for yourself. You're not responsible for how other people behave, act, don't do whatever. We got to stop doing that. I, I find myself um, found myself doing that, but I've got this new lease. Like I'm not going to be responsible for you making a mistake because we all do. And, and the first thing I tell in my workshop leaders, you're not perfect and don't show up as, as being perfect. You made a mistake, but fail forward and fail forward fast. I made a mistake. So now here's what I'm doing to keep going forward. That's what it's about. It's, it's not about us taking a giant step backwards because one of us have. So I say some of those hats that you have, look at them and see if they're the same color or the same fashion. And you might need to get rid of some of those hats and kind of prioritize yourself. You know, when you're in an aircraft and they give you the um, directions, put on your mask first before you have someone else. We've got to show up for ourselves. We've got to prioritize ourselves. We're not doing anyone any good when we got a little bit of us over here and over there and over there, and we're parceling ourselves out till we're no good. We've got to, as a collective, say, you know what? I'm the priority for this day, for this hour, maybe this, this, these 10 minutes, because it's incremental. It's not the big win. It's the incremental win. So I, I say that, that we do that, that self-care for ourselves, don't expect it from the outside. You prioritize yourself. You take a moment, take a day, take a week. Say I'm not okay. I was um, I was in a call a couple of years ago and um, there were some things happening in, in the streets on camera with police and black people. And I was on a call with, I was the only black face on there and everybody was to me in that moment was acting as if the world was going on. And I actually said, which started this whole thing with this organization and some other stuff happened that were good. I'm not okay. And here's why I'm not okay. I'm not okay because of not what you saw on television. I'm not okay because this has been pervasive and it has compounded mm -hmm. and I'm tired of it. And that's why I am not okay. I'm speaking for myself as a person, I'm not okay. I'll tell you one thing I say kind of half jokingly, the strong black women 
That's identity. What's getting attention is I'm not okay. I feel sad. I'm depressed. I feel anxious. I don't know if I can do this. That's what is in 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 style. The, 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 you know, we've got to be strong and re- yeah, forget that. That to me, no. That's a, it's overrated. It's overrated. We need help. We've all been through a lot in the last couple of years, three years or whatever. As a planet, we've gone through a lot and we're still going through. And it's okay to be not okay and be in that space of not being okay. That's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what I wanted to know specifically about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight to this because I, I know that you have the expertise to, to weigh in on this. What are you Uh-oh. doing through your work to support Black women leaders with learning about a transform, transforming after recovery from toxic perfectionism? It sounds like you're kind of on the on the cusp of talking about that a little bit. So let's just dive right into that. Let's dive into it. Yeah, <laughs> I was asked to speak at a, a Women's Day because this is International Women, well, this is Women's Month and International Women's Day. I was asked to speak to some, a group of people, including um, some executives. And um, well, w- one of the things that I talked about DEIA because there's an A, accessibility, and one of the things that I always say is that we keep adding letters because we're not getting it right. So we got the diversity, cool. Okay, equity, oh, we need inclusion, inclusion. Okay, but now they need access to the resources. So what we're doing, again, we're changing, not transforming. You're checking a box. What I tell executives is to leaders, owners, show up as a human being, number one. Number two, Treat women the way you would treat the most important woman in your life and how you would want her to be treated in the workplace. And number three, repeat. It's simple, it's Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is the best. Show up as a human, be human, treat people how you wanna be treated and repeat. And I said that we shouldn't have to have Women's Month or Black History Month. Why are we doing that? Because people are not treating people like human beings. That's what it is. The other thing too about women and, and that perfection thing, I, like you said, I touched on it earlier about we're showing up for the whole black race, wherever we go. I'm, now I'm taking the whole black race into this position, into this space. Stop it. You're not. Carrying everybody on your back. Yeah. No, off, off. Shut it off. And, and the reason why is because when I show up into a space, I shouldn't be the only black woman there are the only person of color. There should be other people in that space. Again, the people with the power to make this right are not doing it. My motto in life is people do what they wanna do. Everybody does what they wanna do. If you wanna do it, I'm gonna do it. If I don't want to do it, I'm not gonna do it. I'll act like I'm doing it, but I'm not gonna do it. So if you're checking boxes, there'll be one white, one black woman in this, in this C-suite or in this position because you're checking boxes. If you're acting like a human being, you have more than one because now the black woman has support. Now I look around me and I see that there are three, five, eight of us in this position. So I alone, I'm not carrying this and I don't have to watch everything I do and say, and I don't have to be perfect. I am allowed to be a human being. And it starts with you, you, you as a black woman, 
as a woman, as a person, don't expect others to treat you better than you treat yourself. Don't, don't expect it. You People treat you the way that you allow them to treat you. If you are a professional Black woman and are lots of overqualified Black people and Black women, and, and there's an aspect of fear that's that's trying to prevent it, preventing us from being all that we want to be. I say go to entrepreneurship. That's what I did. I said, I'm going to start my own business where I, I don't I don't have to cap my salary. I don't have to sit there and convince you that, hey, I deserve to make this amount of money because for some reason you don't see it you and you don't want to see it. And uh, all those dynamics, let me just step out of that space and step into a space where I can actually be more effective, um, be more of a mentor, you know, be candid, you know, have those spaces. So the, the, the perfect, the perfection, drop that, drop it today, right now, the carrying the whole black race on your shoulder. Nope. Not doing it. I didn't do that. You did that. This is what I'm doing. And, and when you do that, I was actually having a conversation about what happened on Sunday night. And, you know, there was a, an outcry like, oh my God, I can't believe that this happened, you know, when, you know, this was a great time and so forth. And I had to say, said, shake it off. That was one person. He made a mistake. He was wrong. He apologized. It's over. Let's, if we can normalize killing people on camera and acting like it's less than horrific, then, Let's do that with that situation. That was one person. That wasn't me. And if I talk about it, it's going to be casual. I'm not like, oh my God, can you believe? I'm not like that because we're human beings and we make mistakes and we fail forward. No other race is carrying an entire race on their shoulders. No one else is doing that but us. So we're, we're putting stuff on ourselves that we don't need to. And, and when we take all that off ourselves and show up as an individual, not a race of people, just an individual, um, I think the outlook will change. It may not change tomorrow, but it, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. So you already answered my question about how do you help corporate leaders to shape the organizational culture to be healthier for the benefit of Black women leaders who are in the process of letting go of toxic perfectionism. You answered that. You nailed that. So I'm okay. going to move on. Um, one of the things that I want to make sure that um, I mention is that I really support empathic Black women leaders who are remote workers. Mm -hmm. The reason that I've brought this forward into this conversation, into the conversations I'm having across the board is because that's the ones that are carrying everybody on their backs. Stop it. <laughs> Don't do it the empaths, the women who have all this compassion and love and they just care about everybody. Mm -hmm. They're killing, literally physically killing themselves, yeah. trying to help everybody else. Mm. What would you say to these women? You know, Are you one? Are you one? No. Have you ever been there? Do you know yes. some? Yes, I, I remember um, there was a time when I would see a, a, a black woman acting up 
And I'd be like, oh my God, why you gotta be black in this moment right now? Oh no. And I would like cringe like, oh no, no. I, I, I was that person because I was like, oh my God, don't be black right now. And, um, you know, in studying, you know, people's behaviors and so forth, the more we carry that, the more it's expected for us to carry that. And it's a zero sum game. You know, I, I look at white women who are very in touch with their emotions. I was talking to a leader the other day and, um, and I, I, I said to him, I said, you know, everybody cries, white women cry, black women cry, men cry, uh, but we cry differently. We, um, we, we, we leave, we withdraw, we don't speak, we, we cry differently. What you have to know as a leader is that the tears that you see are not being weaponized. So our sisters, our white sisters are very good at weaponizing their tears. And it is very weighty and it means a lot. So I was showing this, this leader that you got to have that EQ to say, hey, you know, um, what's behind these tears? I'm not saying that um, people don't cry tears and it's not real because I'm the first person, if anybody's crying on TV or whatever, I'm crying too, because I'm like, I don't know what's that. But um, you got to have the high, and one of the, the earmarks of an ATL is that they have very high EQ. So they understand their emotions and they understand emotions in general. And you understand when it's not being weaponized. So I need to see that I see Donna Marie who is crying, but not tears. Something has changed about her, how she shows up. So as a high EQ ATL, I'm going to delve into what's happening. What can we do to get you back on the right track? What can we do to kind of shake you out of where you are and not just be responding to these tears that you see and the, the and and it's kind of like i'm i'm not okay help me that's what it means i'm helpless help me that's what those tears mean we have to do that as well in terms of i'm not okay like i said earlier i need help the the stronger you are the more people expect you to be strong as a leader and 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 the other thing to i, I spoke to a, a one of my friends who is a leader in the talent space, be transparent with the people that are following you. Say to them, you know what? Today's not a good day for me. You know, this is not happening. And then they'll open up as well. And so that's, that's a symbiotic relationship, right? So now you're showing up as a person and now they're opening it up like, wow, you're not perfect. And you have a bad day. Yes, I do. I might have two bad days. The transparency, the honesty, the accountability, these are the, the, the tenets of what an ATL is. And so, yes. So an ATL embraces vulnerability. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You want to embrace every aspect of yourself that not as that's human. One of the things that um, I write about and I talk to um, women leaders about, Black women leaders, is that femininity is empowering so sometimes we show up as you know we got to be a dude because we're, we're a leader and you know I, I i know this pr agency that that i that we had at one point uh, we don't have any more but um they they were um telling me that um 
for me to exude what a leader is, I shouldn't sit down in a picture because it's too casual. And I said, um, so we're in 1984, right? Because that's when women wore suits and looked like men. This is, you know. And I said, you yeah. know, I'm a status quo disruptor. So I cannot be the status quo. And I'm showing up. This is what I tell leaders. You need to let employees show up as their entire person, not as this carbon copy. Because if you don't, let me tell you what's coming. What's here is the metaverse. If you don't get your human capital management together in the human world, these people are going to run amok in the metaverse. You're going to have a lot more to handle. So show up, show up as yourself with all your scars. And, you know, I mean, you're not going to be a wreck every single day. Obviously, I, I think we know what I mean, but don't show up as this tough person that never had a bad day and everything is perfect all the time. Show up and be vulnerable and allow people that you lead to also be vulnerable. Share that space together and together rise up and empower each other. So when I did the Myers-Briggs test, yes. came back as INFJ, which is basically uh, very empathic and um, uh, kind of like a, a counseling. And I'm a coach. That's what I do. I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I learned, which made me feel really bad about myself, is that that's the rarest of the personalities. Oh, wow. But also that it is shunned because most leadership is the extroverted, loud, boisterous, manly, masculine energy yeah. type of leadership. And so I learned that the kind of leader that I am is commonly rejected. And that's exactly what I've been experiencing. And it hasn't made me feel well, feel good about myself in some spaces. However, yeah. I have learned that I'm not the only one, though no. we may be rare. Yes. And so I heard what you said about embracing your femininity, showing up in your feminine energy as a leader. Yeah. What else would you like to, to say about that? You know, um, unfortunately, when I was, when I was, um, going to school, when I went to undergrad, I was, I was literally trying to escape an engagement. So I figured instead of saying no, which normal people do, I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll go to school and then I don't have to get married. So that's what I did. Went to school, didn't have a clue. I was like, dad, I want to go to school. What should I do? He's like, go into computers. You always, you'll always have a job. So I went into computers. And, and sadly enough, when I see, when I was in class studying technology, part of the old STEM thing, and today, the ratio is still the same because women feel like they have to give up something to be technology savvy or to know this. And, and, and you know, hopefully things are changing. I think the last couple of years it might change or it's going to change, but you, you don't have to. Again, you show up as yourself and be the best you can be. You don't have to look like a nerd. You don't have to, you know, look like a dude. Um, you don't have to be loud. You don't have to uh, be, like you, you said, be an extrovert. You don't have to be salesy where you're always selling yourself. You don't have to be that. Take your natural talent that you have for yourself and then exploit those talents. And, and you'll find your audience and you'll find your, your, your followers. You'll find your space. And remember, it's not about the, the quality, the quantity. 
it's the quality. So if you're able to transform one person, they can in turn transform 250 people and so on and so on. So it's not about, oh, this person has a lot of followers or, you know, this conference has, you know, X amount of people. It's, it's not about that because what are they taking away from it and how are they transforming? That's what's important. So the, the end game is what's, it's what's, is what's at stake here. Each one, reach one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when it comes to um, how you support corporate leaders who really do want to develop as an ATL yeah. and um, they want to diversify, like truly diversify, not just have token uh, people of color on their teams. Um, mm -hmm. What do you tell them can help them? Because you know we're in this great resignation era. Oh yes. What do you tell them to help them to not only attract great women of color, black women leaders to their talent pool, but how to retain the ones that they have? Yeah, it's it's to your point, right? It's it's a it's a big conversation because there's a great resignation. That means that you have uh, talent walking out the door, whether they're walking out with knowledge about your processes and your company and your strategies and so forth. They're walking out the door, right? So with with leaders, you know, you talk their language. R O I. Women make business sense. Research has shown that. The companies with women leaders in their on their boards in the C-suite, they earn more than the ones that do not. So let's just start there. So are you the leader that wants to leave money on the table? Maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you are. When you're not including women and other types of people, that 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 uh, my that brain trust, right? So if you if you look around you, and I've had leaders that have said, yeah, I, I do realize that you know my C-suite is all white, and I will agree, yes, it is. Optics, not good. So if you're looking around and everybody looks like you and thinks like you, you know, my book um, that's coming out is called "You Know Less Than You Don't Know," right? So with ATLs, they traverse the knowledge domains, the known knowns, the known unknowns, the, the unknown knowns and the unknown unknowns. They traverse it through collaboration and intellectual stimulation. They have more different diverse thinkers experience at the table. So they're able to now impact your ROI. So you got the same people thinking the same thing, the same product, the same outcome, right? So you have more women, more people of color, more women of color, uh, people that are, um, you know, accessible, different uh, disabilities and so forth. People that English, it might be their second language. Um, you have them then that you are exploiting all the opportunities for innovation in your products and your services, right? Not only that, you are, you're bringing value to your shareholders, right? So now you're showing up as a, company that is about innovation. Now I'm investing in you and you're doing everything in your power to ensure that I'm getting a return on my investment, which means, you know, capturing all of the intellectual property that you can get. So we start there. We, we start with the money because that's what they understand. It's all about the bottom line. 
um, people walking out the door, it's a buyer's market. That means that I'm now as an employee or talent, I can dictate the terms under which I will engage with you. So now I'm a true partner with you. It's a good thing. So you got somebody that's responsible now that's going to be, you know, walking in partnership with you. And along with the great resignation is the great C-suite purge. That's happening as well. The resignation transcended to middle management because they're getting from the top and the bottom. That, that is like one of the worst positions to be in, in terms of career, to be in that middle space. And um, they're walking out too. And now the, the C-suite, the, the, state, the shareholders are like, well, why are people walking out of your company? And why can't you keep them? And you know, and CEOs are walking out too, and you know, walking before trains and and all kind of stuff, um, because it's hard on everyone. And that's where the human humanity comes in. When I when I talk to my attendees at my workshops and con I said leaders aren't perfect. Don't expect them to be perfect, right? And then that gives the leader space to be vulnerable. Like you know, if you're an ATL, you're going to say I don't know this, and I'm going to need your help to figure this out. Let's do this together. You're going to do that, and you are going to be inclusive of all types of people in seeking that knowledge. So, you know, as I said, we shouldn't be having conversations about include more women or include more Black women or Black people. You know, if we were treating each other as humans, um, we wouldn't be having the conversation. And I think that day is coming, and I think the metaverse might be the great disruptor that equalizes the playing field for all races of people. I'm looking forward to that aspect of it happening. I, I, um, I have a specific scenario that I want to share with you and get okay. your feedback on what you think. Okay. So I, I recently was visiting a facility and this facility is going through a, a, a big change. They have new, new ownership, new management, all of that. And so one of the people that's been there for a while had an interaction with one of the, the new owners. That was not good and she was not happy. And I'm just thinking to myself, I have a lot of education and training in this stuff. I know what this guy is doing wrong but it's specifically a dynamic between two different races, one of them being a, a black American woman. Mm -hmm. But it's also an age gap thing. Mm -hmm. This was a young, the owner was young. Mm -hmm. This black American woman was much older than this owner. Yeah. A lot of little different stuff going on there. What would you say to this owner? If he were to sit down to you and say, I, I'm trying to keep from imploding my existing staff, you know, in a, in a nutshell, let me give more background. He was rude and disrespectful yeah. to this, to this black woman. What would you say to somebody like that, that would come through because they're starting to lose people? Well, uh, you know, um, as, as the great Michael Jackson once said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. So part of being an ATL is reflective discourse where you are now in touch with yourself enough to know, hey, you know what? I missed the mark that time. What can I do to make it better? If you have someone that's 
you know, a lot of times people are in leadership, not because they're qualified to be in leadership or, or should even be in leadership. They're there for many different reasons and they don't understand what it means to be a leader. It's more than a title. It's a lot that goes with it. It means that not only am I able to engage the Gen Y and the Gen Zs, I can engage somebody that's in their 60s and their 70s. I have that EQ to be able to do that. If you're not able to do that, um, you need leadership training. There are aspects of your leadership that needs to be improved. And then you have to be willing and able to do it. So, you know, a lot of times what I notice with people acting up there is the insecurity thing, right? You know, when you're rude to people, you're insecure. Um, when you're mean, you're insecure. When you're prideful, you're insecure. When you put yourself up here, you're insecure. It's, it, that's a very common driver for these. So what is it that this young man is trying to prove? You know, what are you afraid of? It's insecurity and fear, and they're two sides of the same coin. What are you what are you what are you afraid of? What are what are your triggers? And this is where um, when I engage with organizations, I, I definitely do anonymous surveys. That's one of my favorite tools. And I also ask the leaders to engage in 360 degree evaluation. It's not just about me evaluating people that work for me. They need to evaluate me as well and do so in a safe space and then have other leaders evaluate. So you're getting the whole shebang and you got to be confident enough to allow that so this man is not confident enough to be vulnerable then there's a bigger issue and and that's the difference between transformation and change right because if you're asking him to change his behavior in this one then the next black woman he sees that whatever then he's gonna find some reason or another to go off or to be rude so there's there's something that's driving that behavior and he's got to be mature enough and confident enough and vulnerable enough to say, you know what? Um, I'm doing this one too many times. What is it in me that's driving this behavior? Why is it that I'm being rude to someone for no reason? You know, you, you gotta ask yourself the whys. And, and then if the penalties to your whys are not big enough, you're gonna continue your whys. So there has to be a pain point where then, okay, I see what's happening. I gotta do something. So sometimes we gotta arrive to that pain point. Um, unfortunately. And sometimes we can be proactive about it, but it definitely warrants a deeper conversation. And what would you say to the woman? Is she, she leave? Is she an employee there? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I advocate people to leave stuff. That's, that's, which may not be a good thing. I'm always a person that's, what I usually do with people is like, what is your passion? What would you do if you, if you, if money was no object? So I'm always having these conversations with everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you don't have to be treated that way. And um, ex definitely express to this person how you feel and what this has done to you. Um, is there an HR department in this facility, this organization? Probably, but I don't, I don't really know much. So HR, that's what HR is for. Um, and there has to be a... Uh, strong human capital management system in place to ensure that certain behaviors from whomever is unacceptable and it warrants some type of action or what have you. So that's what um, may or may not be missing in that organization. However, you know, 
I'm sure she's a very intelligent woman and I'm sure that she can work someplace else where she's respected. Mm-hmm. And that would be her tears. Her tears are um, exiting stage left because I don't advocate anyone to stay in situations where you're being mistreated. Mm-hmm. I, I don't advocate that from a personal or professional level at all. There's no reason why to stick around mm-hmm. for more of the same. So I would, I would, I would plan my exit, exit strategy. Well, and I've heard this expression when someone shows you who they are, believe them. them. Yeah. And leave <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I don't want to get into the psychology of it because I'm not that kind of a doctor. Um, my friend sent me a, 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 a cartoon of these canned sodas standing around and one of them is laying down and leaking soda. And they're like, Dr. Pepper, do something. And Dr. Pepper is like, I'm not that kind of a doctor. I'm just a doctor of deliciousness. <laughs> so I'm not that kind of a doctor, but there's a, uh, there's a sociopathic aspect to someone that's chronically um, behaving in a certain way without any type of awareness of what it's doing to others. There's a pathology there. And, and one thing I know about that, when I, I researched year, years ago, because I was trying to understand somebody's behavior, and it was like, this person's a sociopath, leave. <laughs> That's what it said. You're not, because you, logic doesn't, you can't appeal to them logically or emotionally or what have you. They're someplace where you're not designed, nor should you be required to deal with it. Um, I don't know, I'm broad stroking it because, you know, of course you have family members and what have you. Uh, but um, if you're in a position where you are able to leave, that's what you should do, especially if it's sustained behavior. If it's a one-off, I made a mistake and I was wrong. And um, you know, here's what I'm going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again. Of course, we're human. But if it's sustained behavior, then there's no um, excuse for standing by and taking that type of behavior. So you said earlier that you have a book coming out. And I know that you have books, at least one previous book. Can you tell us more about your authorship? Yes. Yeah, so I'm very excited about, excited about, you know, less than you don't know. And if you look um, on the on the cover of the book, I think I have, yeah, on the cover of the book, which you probably can't see, yeah. there's a tip of an iceberg. And of course, the mass of it is underwater. So you know less than you don't know. So that's telling, um, and it's, it's, it says, transformation, not change, is the key to success. Mm-hmm. So as an ATL, you subscribe to the fact that you know less than you don't know, and you need people around you to help you know more. And, and as Henry Ford said, you know, to a reporter, ask me any question you want. I have a, the answer in a matter of minutes. Not because he had all the answers, but he could, he knew who to call. Let me call Donna Marie because she's an expert on this type of coaching. And, and so that's what ATLs do. They know, they know that they know less than they don't know. So in, in, in the book, I go deep into change and transformation, you know, as a starter, right? This is, this is how you know the difference. So, you know, pursuing change, for change sake, it's not going to work. I get into um, supply chain change management, what that looks like for the future. I get into the metaverse. I talk about digital leadership. I talk about women in leadership. I talk about inclusive design in terms of workspaces and how we got to re 
orient workplaces to workspaces and so on. So it's 12 chapters chock full of great stuff. One of the things that I wanted to do was to make sure the book was evergreen. So if you read the book five years from now, it still had value. So I also added my case study in the book. I did a case study on what I said earlier. So that's, um, that's where I am. I, the publisher has asked me, I'm, it's in the process of being edited. It's written, but it's been edited. So it should be out by late summer. Um, and it's, you know, the book, and you can get more details about it on my website, um, drpatriciaanderson.com. So very excited about it. Very excited about um, transforming the world one leader at a time. And very excited about where we are as women and, and the power that we have if we stand in our womanhood and femininity and the gifts that we are, you know, naturally given. Um, we can really transform places and spaces and people. One of the things that I loved about you is that I can tell that you are a very strong leader. You're very knowledgeable and wise and experienced and oh, educated wow. and all of that. And you're very feminine. And that surprised me. And so that's one of the huge reasons why I wanted to get a opportunity to talk with you because you do stand in your femininity. Yeah. A lot of the women who are in positions like you are in, uh, who do the kind of work that you do, they don't. They don't really embrace that. And I heard you say earlier how in the era that you were being trained in, they were trying to train that out of you to not bring that femininity forward when you decided intentionally yeah. to go against that. And yeah. that is amazing. That's wonderful. And thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you too, because I see that you're standing in your femininity as well. There's another place to stand. I don't see any place else that I can stand. So I'm going to, I'll stand here. And the more comfortable you are as a leader, the more comfortable your people are in following you and, and, and more confident you are and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have other things to contend with. So show up as yourself. Yeah. And, and I, would, I was raised by a father that tried to turn me into a boy. Oh, you didn't have any brothers? You know, I have one brother. Oh, and so, <laughs> and I was, I mean, I was raised by my father and sort of kind of, kind of by my brother. I mean, you know, he took okay, care of me. My brother was significantly older than me. So, I you know, and, and I came to a point in my life where I had to just say to my dad, I'm a woman and that's okay. It's okay. Stop trying to expect me to act like a man. Yeah. I have to tell him that I have emotions. There is nothing wrong with that. But he, you know, was really uncomfortable with that. And I had to learn to wow. communicate well about it and to stop allowing that part of me to be um, shamed. Yeah, no, not at all. And 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 then and then men, you have emotions too. So, you know, embrace those emotions that you have as well. Because as I said earlier, um, people, everybody's crying. And a lot of people have been crying for a long time. The tears just look different. Some of the tears are invisible, some of them look like other objects, but people are crying. And we've got to give spaces. One of the things that I'm I'm very happy to see is that men now especially black men are 
publicly saying, I'm not okay. I'm going to seek help. I'm going to go to a counselor. I've, I've seen rappers, you know, that, and, and of all the tough personas there is, is that of a rapper, you know, because it's about, you know what it's about. And I've seen them breaking down and saying, you know, I was suicidal or I was depressed or I was hurt. Here's, here's, where, here's where it is, right? I was hurt. And that's the vulnerability. That's the impasse that a lot of men and especially our black men is that I, I can't admit that I was hurt because I am weak. But uh, I'm telling you, brother, if you're listening, that is a floodgate of not only humility, but accountability that will garner so much respect from women and other men that are standing by in, in bondage, just like yourself, that don't want to say I'm hurt. You know, you, if you're hurt, you're hurt. You're a human being. You are hurt. And, and one of the things that happens when people are hurt and they don't deal with it properly is they resort to violence. Yeah. And that's not good for mm -hmm. your own self. It has nothing to do with the, the community, with the Black community. It's about us as individuals getting what we need yeah. so that we can be healthy and respond instead of reacting. Yes, respond instead of react. I like that. Yes. Yeah, we've, we've got some growth. We've got some things that we've got to do. But we, it's, the work begins one at a time, one person at a time. Start with the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. And, then and, then, and, on, the mirror. and on this show, we have no problem with talking about the spiritual side of that. You know, ah. we, well. we don't have a problem with saying that there is a spiritual side to this. It's not just the only the emotional or mental, but the spiritual comes into play here too. And when we're grounded and rooted in faith, it can help us to transform. <laughs> well, you know, you're so right because you know less than you don't know. So you need to know somebody who knows more than you don't know and somebody that knows it all and somebody that has it pre-planned and can see further than you can. So when you come to the end of yourself, which is what a lot of us did and are still there through what has transpired over the past few years, you come to the end of yourself and... Uh, you don't see a way out. You feel like, you know, suicide is all time high right now. People are at the end of themselves. They're hopeless. This is never going to get any better. What I see in front of me right now is all there is. And that's, that is the, the worst place to be where now you have now leaned into all the knowledge that you have as a person and you still don't have an answer. So that's why, you know, to your point, we are tripart. We do have a spirit. That spirit should be in ascendancy, right? That's the part of us that can shake up your emotions. Say, "Hey, it's going to be all right." You know, this is this is bigger <laughs> than even you. So, certainly, my faith plays the major part and the starring role in who I am as a leader, um, and. From that space where I stand, I can be confident and be a, a woman and be feminine because I am walking in who I was created to be. And, um, and, and, and still 
seeking after what is what is your best for me? Like, that's what I, I want. What is, is this the best situation? I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. Is this your best for me? The situation, it's not. Okay, well, show me how to live out what your best intention, your dream, your thought, when you decided to put uh, Donna Marie here, what were you thinking in your mind before and during that creative process that was first spiritual before it became physical? What were you thinking? That's where we want to get to. That's where the answers are. And the part of us that is not limited, but it's limitless. Yes, yes, limitless. And uh, to answer part of what you just said, you know, as an example, my name literally means lady leader. Really? That's the literal name, uh, literal definition of my name. Yes. So you had no choice, really. <laughs> Every time someone called you, they were like, Pretty lady, much. Leader, lady leader, lady leader. You heard that all your life subconsciously. So you, you became what you were uh, predestined to be. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm a leadership coach because wow. there's a, I'm not the only one that's right. called to lead and their femininity and their vulnerability and their empathic ways. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I got to meet you, Dr. Anderson. Thank you so much. I thank, thank God you. for leading me to you. I don't even remember how I found you. But I know that this was divine. Only God knows. No, this is <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I appreciate you so much. And um, I definitely want to make sure you get a chance to reiterate your website name. It is drpatriciaanderson.com, drpatriciaanderson.com. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. And I you hope too. that I get a chance to interact with you a lot more maybe even in person since we're neighbors basically we definitely <laughs> should have lunch right mm -hmm. you yeah, like to definitely. eat in georgia <laughs> yes yes we do we like to eat in georgia yes we do yeah i uh, could we, we, we could talk about that a whole you know another out all right god bless you god bless you too all right have a, have good, a good night, night. all right